0: Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer, and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon, and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Uh, As we were worshiping, I just was uh, just overcome by this thought that the body of Christ, Cochrane Alliance Church, is... Um, inviting the Holy Spirit, we are welcoming the Spirit of God in our midst, and we are saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place. Come fill this atmosphere. Um, And I just thought it was a a beautiful thing that we would call upon God, call upon the Holy Spirit, and ask that He would fill fill the atmosphere, that he would be in our midst. And uh, isn't that a great reality that we can encounter a, a living God, that God is not dead in the grave. We don't, we don't worship a God who is dead in the grave, but we worship a risen Lord who has poured out his spirit on all flesh and uh, would uh, be welcomed among his people. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Amen. So today uh, we continue our series in the book of Acts. And um, almost all of us hate conflict, right? Does anyone enjoy conflict? No, okay, not one, hand raised. All right, so no one's enjoying conflict. In fact, most of us do everything in our power to avoid conflict. We will actually um, avoid things that are near and dear to our heart, we'll, we'll set aside values even, because we just dislike conflict so much. And um, CPP Global, uh, the company that puts out the Myers-Briggs personality test, if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, um, they did a study in 2008 about conflict in the workplace. And it, they came to, uh, they, they got the results back and they came to the conclusion that 85% of people will um, encou- or, or encounter conflict in their workplaces. And of that 85%, 29% actually said that they endure conflict all the time. Like they have constant conflict at work. And some of the, 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 the top five conflicts at work were, uh, 49% of these conflicts were the clashes of personalities. Uh, 34 were workplace, was workplace stress. 33% was too much work without enough support. said uh, it was poor leadership that caused these conflicts, Um, and 26% said it was a a lack of honesty or a lack of openness. That's not to mention uh, the, the latter half of the list, problems with line managers, unclear roles, confusion about accountability, clashing values, poor team composition. And so you can see that uh, in the workplace, there's often quite a little, uh, quite a bit of stress, or sorry, conflict. And that's not, also not to mention uh, family conflict, conflict with our friends, conflict in our community groups, conflict in our churches. It seems like there's conflict everywhere. And so what do we do with this conflict? Um, as we continue our series on Acts chapter 15, or sorry, on Acts, we come to chapter 15, and what do you know, there is a conflict. And so um, what excites me about this portion of Scripture, though, is that the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is actually interwoven all throughout uh, Acts chapter 15 and this conflict and bringing this conflict to resolution and we see the work of the Spirit all throughout it. And so we don't just see, you know, the book of Acts is often known as a book filled with miracles and signs and wonders. Well, one of the miracles that the, that the Lord works is he brings about a resolution to conflicts. And, and so we're going to look at how the spirit uh, works within conflict today. Conflict isn't necessarily always a bad thing, just so you, just so you know. Um, but it's important how we deal with these uh, conflicts that we encounter. In, like Wherever there are human beings, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be disagreements. Uh, in fact, a lot of Paul's New Testament letters are in relation to uh, conflict and and how do we bring resolution. So, what's happening in Acts chapter 15, and uh, Mike actually talked about this, uh, I think he talked a little bit about it last week, but what's happening is that there are uh, Gentile believers, or non-Jewish believers, coming to know Jesus, or sorry, there's Gentiles coming to know Jesus. They're becoming believers. And... um, the Jews uh, or the Jewish leaders are are saying, Yeah, that's great, that's cool, you can come to know God, you can be in relationship with Him, however, you need to uh, be circumcised, and then you need to follow the laws of Moses. And so so uh Paul in Acts chapter 13, 38 and 39, he's preaching that uh, you don't need to you don't need to follow any laws in order to To come to know Jesus, so listen to what he's preaching. He says, "Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses." And so there's this conflict, and this conflict is: um, do the Gentiles need to become Jews in order to become believers? How does one become a follower of Jesus? Do they need to follow all the laws of Moses? Do they need to become circumcised? And so there's this, uh, the Jews are preaching, or some of the Jewish leaders are preaching that, and then Paul is saying, it's by grace through faith. And so you can see there's, there's a tension there. Remember uh, Acts chapter 9, Saul's conversion Saul had, uh, had proclaimed that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Under the law, he was blameless. And yet on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, he encounters Jesus and comes to a realization that none of that was uh, of any value. It was of no worth in regards to his salvation. So open up your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 15, and we are going to walk through um, this portion of scripture acts chapter fifteen we 're going to start by reading uh, verses one through five. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching that uh, were teaching the brothers unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved and After Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the other But some believers who belonged to the circum, uh, sorry belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, "It is necessary to circumcise them and 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 to order them to keep the law of Moses." So these Jew, Jewish leaders, these Judaizers, is what a lot of people called them. They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." You, you, can't, you, you can become saved, but you're going to have to follow the law. You're going to have to become circumcised. You're going to have to follow the, the customs of the Jewish rituals. And so here we have this conflict um, arise. Let's continue reading in Acts 15, 6 through 11. The apostles and the elders were gathered together together to consider this matter. So what happened was uh, the, the leaders of the day, they gather together to consider this conflict. And after there' b- been much debate, Peter stood up and said, "Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe." Will. So the, the apostles and the elders uh, are gathered together along with these Jewish leaders who are, are saying, look, you need, to be, you need to follow the laws uh, of Moses. And so they're gathered together and they're discussing what they are to do in this matter. And Peter st- stands up and says, look, God knows the hearts of the Jews and the Gentiles, and uh, he bore witness to them, that being the Gentiles, by giving them the Spirit. He knows, he knows that their hearts are to follow Jesus, and he poured out his Spirit upon these Gentile believers. In Acts, if you remember in Acts chapter 10, Peter's preaching the gospel to the, the Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit falls upon um, the Gentiles, and the Jewish believers are like, what? What? This is incredible. We see Gentiles speaking in tongues and praising God, and so uh, we see that these Gentiles uh, aren't following the law, but they've they've had the Spirit of God poured out upon them. And so Peter says, "Look, why are we going to why are we going to put this law or this this yoke, this heavy burden? Why are we going to put it onto the Gentile believers?" Jesus, if you remember the words of Jesus, He said, "My yoke is easy and my burden is light." So to come to Jesus, it is a simple thing—you just believe in Him. Uh, This was the this was the message of the reformers, Martin Luther and many of the other reformers, five hundred years ago during the Great Reformation, that you are saved by grace through faith alone. This is uh, not of your works. This is not following laws to, to be accepted into the family of God. This is Jesus extending grace. It's not through offerings. It's not through penance. It's not through rules. But it is by grace through faith. I think as, as human beings we like, to, uh, we like to put everything neat and tidy into a nice little box and, we, and, and then we like to put it on a, a piece of paper and say, yeah, I did that, check. I read my Bible today, check. I said my prayers, check. I did all these things, and now Jesus will accept me. Now Jesus will uh, invite me into his family. And that's just not the case. Uh, we send our girls, our two daughters, we send them to Awana. Every week, every Wednesday night, they uh, go to the Baptist Church. Thank you, uh, leaders who um, give their time to to that program. It's a wonderful program to to learn about the Lord and to memorize Scripture. And every week, our girls come home and they tell us that uh, they've got a memory verse to learn for that week. And this past week, uh, so, so what we do with this memory verse is Becky takes a little whiteboard, she writes the memory verse, and then we stick that whiteboard onto our fridge so that the girls can see this, the memory verse, every single week. And this past week, Olivia's memory verse was from the book of Titus, from the, Paul's letter, and it's, it was Titus 3, 4 through 6. And, and this describes... Um, the message of grace and hope just beautifully. Um, Paul says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he, He saved us, not because of works done by us in our righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope we have. Uh, We have eternal life. And so we see that uh, Paul continues to to share this message that it is by grace through faith alone. Continuing on, I I want to uh, look at verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 and 13 read, And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. And so you got, these, uh, you got a bunch of leaders gathering together. They're all passionate about the message that they are sending out. And um, I think we see something really, really beautiful here in the text. It says, and the assembly fell silent. So you have one person standing up to debate. You have another person standing up to, bait, to debate. Um, and what you see is that the assembly fell silent and Paul and Barnabas stood up to speak. They're, they're honoring one another as they debate this, as there's, as there's this tense conflict, this disagreement, they're, they're honoring one another by listening to one another. I think uh, our society can learn quite a bit from this one little phrase, and the assembly fell silent. We have such an incredible difficulty listening to one another. I'll, I'll admit, I have a hard time listening when I'm in a heated debate with, with uh, Becky or with uh, uh, someone else about something. Oftentimes, all we want to do is just, we're listening, but we're just listening in order that we would return and debate uh, and give our argument. We're not actually hearing the other person out. We're not actually listening and honoring them. And I think what we see here is a beautiful picture of the person of the Holy Spirit working in amongst the brothers that have come together in this theological matter, and they're honoring one another. The fruit of the Spirit is moving in their midst. It's being produced in them. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The fruit of the Spirit is being produced in them. Patience, kindness, gentleness. I think we need a little bit more patience with one another, a little bit more kindness and gentleness as we enter into hostile environments like Facebook and Instagram and social, uh, just these social um, concerns that are going on in our day. They're they're very divisive, but I, I believe that the Holy Spirit can help us navigate these times. So, continuing on, or Paul and Barnabas now. So, Paul and Barnabas have, are have stood up, and and the the assembly is listening to them, and they're relating what they've been doing among the Gentile believers. They've been they've been. Uh, sharing the gospel with them, and they're coming to know Jesus. And what is happening? The Holy Spirit is moving in their midst with miracles, signs, and wonders. They bring in this, this testimony of how the Spirit of God is actually moving in the midst. It's not because of the laws that they're following. It's not because they've cer- taken them out back and circumcised them. It's not because uh, anything that they're doing, but they become, they've come to know Jesus And the Holy Spirit's been poured out in their midst. It's a beautiful thing. Continuing on in um, chapter 15, verse 14 through 17, or 14 through 21, I want to read that portion. James, now, after Paul and Barnabas have, have sat down, James stands up and he says, All right, everyone listen. I think we've come to a conclusion here. He says, look, Simeon has related how at first the Gentiles, how God first visited the Gentiles, to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it's written. So James stands up and he says, look, Simeon's given us testimony of uh, of what's gone on, and the prophets actually agree. Meaning, he's pointing back to the Old Testament. For them, it's the word of God. And he quotes Amos chapter 9, verse 11, 12, and 15. He says, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, James says, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. So James stands up and he points back to the fact that the Old Testament, the Old Old Testament scriptures, the Spirit-inspired Word of God is actually pointing to the fact that these Gentiles are now being welcomed in by believing in the name of Jesus. Look, even the prophets agree. And James comes to this conclusion that there's only three things that they're going to ask the Gentile believers to do. Three requirements in practice. Abstain from things polluted by idols. Abstain from sexual immorality. Don't eat meat that has been strangled. And so essentially he's saying, look, to the legalists who want everyone to follow the law of Moses, stop putting all these laws on on the Gentile believers, it's not required to be accepted into the family of God. And to the the believers, he's asking them to be sensitive to the things of um, the Jewish culture. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more in a little bit. And so we continue on in verses 22 through 27. And uh, they've... James has stood up. He's like, look, we're going to write a letter to the Gentiles. Let them know these three things. And he says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers of... um, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia. Greetings, since we have heard that some people among you are out to uh, trouble you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it seems good to us, having come to one accord, they're in unity on this, to choose men and send them to you, um, with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves would tell you the name, the same things by word of mouth. And then we get to verse 29, and this is kind of the crux of the message. Acts 15.28 uh, says, It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And then they list the three requirements. And so the apostles and leaders, uh, the elders, have now come to this conclusion. That, um, that it's actually, uh, they've come to this conclusion about these three requirements. And they give the credit to the person of the Holy Spirit. The apostles acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in their discussion. And not only do they acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit, they are confident that the Holy Spirit has led them to this decision. They are, they are uh, confident that He was guiding them the entire time. F.F. F. Bruce, I love what he says uh, about this statement. He says, this phrase emphasizes the church's role as the vehicle of, of the spirit. When God's people gather together, it's through them that the spirit is released. So conscious were they of being possessed and controlled by him that he was given prior mention as chief author of their decision. In the letter it says, "It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us," so they're they're giving the credit to the person of the Holy Spirit. The promise of Jesus to his disciples is actually becoming real here. If you remember back in John 16, 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the work and power of the Holy Spirit and and his role that the Holy Spirit will uh, come to accomplish. John 16, 13 says, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is in the midst of this big theological debate, this, this conflict that is going on, and the Holy Spirit is guiding the believers into the truth that, uh, in, in the direction that they should go. I think we can also be confident that in our uh, conflicts, in our um, decision-making processes, in, in our daily lives, that the Holy Spirit is actually interested in being a part of leading us and guiding us into truth. He's leading us and guiding us in the right direction, in the ins and outs of life, He's there, moving, and the the major life transitions that we are asking him to guide us in, the the little decisions that might seem of no value, he's there too. He he's guiding us in those decisions as well. We we live in an incredibly. Divisive time in in times where there seems like there's conflict around every corner, and I think uh, I, I just want to. Societally, there is uh, many conflicts that the church is wrestling with right now. Uh, how do we how do we uh, navigate these things in our society? And I want to just point out a few things. This is kind of just like a side note. It's not the main point, uh, but I just want to list, give you a list of things that to help you as you navigate uh, different um, things going on. Number one, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We need discussion. We need listening and honoring. We need personal testimony of how the Spirit of God is moving in our midst. Uh, We need the authority of Scripture. We believe that this Word of God is Spirit-inspired and that um, it actually has authority to guide us. And then we also need church history. What have... Uh, believers, you know, hundreds and thousands of years in the past, o- over that period, what have they believed about certain things, and and and, um, and should we still hold to those values as well? So, uh, in closing, or or just a, I just want to point out a few things on relying on the Holy Spirit in conflict. In times of conflict, we are in desperate need of a work of the spirit and so, number one, we need to we need to actually um, pray together. we need to invite the Spirit of God into our conflict. We need to humble ourselves. This is an incredibly difficult step, but very important, humble ourselves before one another and invite the Holy Spirit in Holy Spirit, we need your help. We don't know what to do, but would you guide us and would you lead us? It takes incredible maturity for this to take place. I love I love this, uh, this phrase, it seemed good to us, or sorry, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Have you in your decisions, in your conflicts, in in division that you might be in the midst of. Have you invited the Holy Spirit in and have you asked him to guide you and lead you? What is the Spirit of God saying? Secondly, we need to submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's interesting that the three requirements that James wrote in the letter to the Gentile churches these three requirements, only one of them was a moral issue: abstain from sexual immorality. the other two were actually cultural uh, cultural things that the Jewish believers followed, so abstaining from things that had been offered to idols and abstain um, from strangled meat that, uh, that, or meat that's been strangled. Those, those two aren't, aren't uh, sin issues, but uh, sexual immorality is a sin issue. The other ones were cultural things. And so uh, James is standing up and he's saying, look, we're going to ask, uh, there's no requirements. In, in coming to Jesus, the only thing is that you would believe in him uh, and Jesus would offer Grace through faith—that's how you come into the family of God. But we are asking that you would submit to our cultural preferences. The Gentiles were submitted to the Jew. uh, Sorry, the Gentiles submitted to the Jewish cultural sensitivities. These these two issues were uh, quite important for the Jew- Jewish laws and customs. And so th- the Jewish believers are asking the Gentile believers, would you submit to our cultural sensitivities? So we need to honor the convictions of others. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians eight thirteen. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So, in, uh, if there is something that isn't morally or ethically wrong, uh, but it's a conviction of my brother in front of them, I'll abstain, I will withhold, I will honor their convictions. And so, in our, in our conflicts with one another, in our divisions that are going on, we need to honor the convictions of our brothers and sisters. We need to honor uh, those around us. Romans twelve ten says, "Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor to each other." Uh, I'll invite the worship team to come up now. But my last uh, my last point is by I actually took this from a man named David Guzik, and uh, he wrote a commentary on Acts fifteen, but he he. Uh, he pointed out something quite interesting in this chapter. If you remember right back to the, the beginning of the chapter, there's these men called Judaizers, and they are the ones who are saying, you have to follow the laws of Moses, you have to be circumcised in order to be followers of Jesus. But by, by the time James and the brothers begin to write out this letter, everyone is in agreement. And so David Guzik says, we can almost admire the certain men of Acts 15.1 because they boldly stated their convictions, and even though their, con- even though their convictions were wrong, but even more admirable is the way they were willing to be taught and shown that they were wrong. A teachable spirit is a precious thing. And so these, these men, these Jewish believers, they actually had a teachable spirit They had open hearts to the Spirit's leading. And so this morning, uh, there are many people gathered in one place. And many of us have different convictions. We have different opinions on many different things. Uh, And some of us would maybe prefer to divide over those things. But thankfully, we haven't yet. (laughs) Um, even though we come together and we've got many different opinions, we can unite under this one thing. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of, of whom we are all sinners, and we can come to him by the amazing grace and mercy. That we can unite and we can worship together. We can lift the name of Jesus high because we believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And there's a lot of different side issues that we can disagree on, but that one thing unites us together. And so let's stand together, and let's, uh, as brothers and sisters who probably, there's probably a few conflicts in this room even now, but brothers and sisters who, who've gathered together in unity to lift the name of Jesus high, let's fix our gaze upon Jesus and let's uh, worship him. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that uh, there are no laws that we have to follow in order to, to be brought into your family. We thank you that we are saved by grace through faith. Alone, and and that you have poured out your Spirit upon all flesh. God, as we uh, as human beings have uh, conflicts, we have divisions, we have opinions about many different things. We ask that the person of Jesus would unite us, that we would um, that we would allow the Spirit of God. To, to guide us as we navigate conviction, different convictions, as we navigate different conflicts. God, would you, would you produce the Spirit in us, or sorry, Spirit, would you produce in us the fruit that comes from you, that we would be loving, that we would be patient with one another, that we would be kind, that we would listen to one another, that we would prefer one another, we would honor one another. And God that we would have teachable spirits, that we would be willing to learn something new, that we in an area that we might be wrong, just like the men in Acts chapter 15 verse 1, who demanded that, that in order to be invited into Jesus' family, that you had to follow certain laws, would you allow us to, to have a teachable heart? And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.